Welcome everyone to Real People of Orange County. I'm Claudia, your alternate hostess, uh, filling in once again for Kimberly Martin on the October 2, 2014 edition of the show. My first guest today on Real People of OC is UCI School of Education professor Penelope Collins. And the second half we're going to have on, have back Daniel Bravo, who's going to post us on the DACA students that um, it's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrive. He's going to post us on that, his college career transferring over to Cal State Fullerton, and uh, his brother's case uh, just been deported uh, with the Costa Mesa police. So where we can tread lightly on that, we will cover that so we can all really understand what these complications are about. We'll be back after a short station break. Thank you, everybody, for staying with us. That was the lovely Bill Beach. He's a jazz pianist out of Portland, Oregon. And, of course, everybody knows that's the people theme. I can't resist when I take over uh, the helm here from Kimberly Martin and play that as my jingle to bring you all on. Good afternoon, as I say. My first guest today is Penelope Collins. She's not only a UCI professor with the School of Education, but she is also a seasoned college radio. I don't know if it's DJ or PA host. We are going to open that up before we get into the School of Education (laughs) stuff. The occasion of her appearance on Real People of OC is the School of Education's rolling out a, a new program known as the Bachelors of Arts in Education Sciences. Penelope Collins' academic interests include reading acquisition, and this is a mouthful, so I, I hope you're flying through with the note-taking, everybody. <laughs> reading acquisition, bilingual and multicultural education, dyslexia, reading disabilities, phonological awareness, speech perception, reading intervention. She had completed her BA in psychology at the University of Western Ontario and both her master's and in psychology and her PhD in education at the University of Toronto. After various appointments in Canada and the U.S., Professor Collins joined UCI in 2003. She joins me in studio today. Welcome to Real People of Orange County, Professor Penelope Collins. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so it's great to be here. Good. And, and as I warned you and the others, is what tell us about your radio show and which campus were you on when you had that? I was at the University of Western Ontario. And at that time, I actually worked in the booth. I started off in the booth for a radio drama and eventually got to be behind the mic and got to do some radio acting. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, right. So what, the show uh, that you did before the radio acting piece, was it a, were you a disc jockey or were you a public affairs person? No, actually, I was just working on the show the entire time, sort of, with the recording booth. And engineering that, it. The engineering it. Okay. It's been so long that I've forgotten all the work. But I imagine this console looks familiar, because this is a the, very quaint little bit of, inf- of instrumentation. And I thought it was cutting edge. I haven't been in the booth since then. So. Well, it was cutting edge then, but it's not. Uh, now, We are. it's actually neat, a workable one, and it's good to work with that. The classics. Well, yeah, the classics, exactly. Well, things are really looking good at the School of Education. Hats off the UCI Calteach Math and Science program. It's a collaboration between the schools of biological sciences, physical science and education. It's been ranked number one in California, one in the Western region, and number eight in the U.S. of A. out of 890 teacher programs by the National Council on Teacher Quality. Now, you personally are in the 
process of creating a brand new major called Education Sciences. Penelope Collins, tell us what this is about, and perhaps you can distinguish it from the existing undergraduate majors at the School of Education. Well, right now we don't have any other majors. The only major we have is in Education Sciences. Okay. We just had a minor. And this is the first major in the country in Education Sciences. We were inspired by the U.S. Department of Education's Institute for Education Sciences, which funds educational research and p- publishes practice guides for practitioners and districts and administrators in using science in education and the best practices. So we are cutting edge. Now, I actually happen to know, and I don't know if the parent affiliated with this student, I know of a student in her graduate work at UC San Diego is doing something of a pedagogical research for how math is taught. Mm -hmm. And so that might be, uh, she may be sort of in the kind of advanced uh, preparation for this. And that is, um, and it's phenomenal because it's a perfect place for her to be. And so you're saying this is the first undergraduate effort. So maybe there's a lot of uh, graduate science, uh, pedagogy, not pedagogies anymore. It's uh, research that's being done, but this is the first undergrad one. It's the first undergraduate one that focuses on research. In, um, In California, you can't have a professional undergraduate major in education. Um, it has to be a postgraduate work, so that way students get that strong foundation. And we got approved because we focus on the science of education. We focus on human development. We focus on multiculturalism and pull in the sociology and the economics and the policy evaluation. And we focus on the study of teachers and pedagogy. So we're bringing students really to the edge of education. People talk about teaching as an art, but there's also a real science to it as well. And our goal is to help our students become experts in that. So you're talking right up an alley I've been on a long time. Is So we're going to get to use the word pedagogy, and it's going to bring that vocabulary into the discussion of that art and that science yes. of what people are learning in the classroom beginning as early as we can imagine, perhaps uh, pre, pre-K? Even before that. Even before we then? Have, um, just, before, well, just after in utero. Just after in utero. <laughs> And actually, one of our co- one of my colleagues, Stephanie Reich, um, she collaborates with faculty in the School of Medicine, and her interests actually focus on working with new mothers, but also mothers living in poverty with support in utero. So we wow. believe in basically birth to, through higher education, so lifelong learners. We oh, have okay. programs not just in school, but also out of school learning. We have currently a certificate in out-of-school learning for people interested in coaching, running after-school programs. So we really want to focus on education, not just in the traditional classroom sets, but growing as individuals in different contexts. And this is a heady task because I'm going to, it just occurs to me, I'm going to draw a parallel here is that there, there's an end game in a lot of public policy arenas where spending on education is downward. Yes. 
Yeah. More has to be done with less money. And so that kind of, uh, it's sort of parallel maybe with the Affordable Care Act is how are we going to improve delivery of this service in the public sector uh, as we're seeing less and less mo- money being spent on that. So I, I guess that's maybe going to be addressed in this multidisciplinary uh, approach in the education sciences. It, we already have colleagues who are doing that. Uh, Greg Duncan has been trained as an economist and his research really focuses on the economic divide and inequity in both economically but the role of education and how increasing access to education could be a way of closing that divide that's just been growing over the years. So we are looking from a very multidisciplinary approach. And I'm wondering if the law school hasn't a piece to this where we're seeing an income inequality in the districts. Um, this district comes to mind, the one right here mm-hmm. that where we are, and how there are sorts of insidious movements where foundations are underwriting tremendous advantages not available equally around the state. And so that income inequality is a legal challenge to how that inequality can t- persists mm-hmm. throughout the state. And maybe that there might be uh, some kind of a paralegal, para, or a, a legal policy kind of aspect that you can take up. I would love to see more investigation of that. My interests have been, my personal interests have been more in the inequity of access for special education. Yes. And how most schools and districts in the country are out of compliance with um, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And the primary reason is because of lack of funds and not enough teachers who have the credentials in special education. But how we treat every subgroup of student is critical, and it's the ones who are most in need that really need the the resources and are the ones who are hurt the most by the divide. Wow, there's something for everybody here. So um, right now, for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is UCI School of Education, Professor Penelope Collins here. Uh, Let's talk about the courses. You just came uh, over here from teaching one of them, so we could start with that. But what kinds of courses are you talking about? We have a huge range of courses. So we have a number of courses in human development and learning. And those courses would focus on issues such as early childhood education, the course I just taught, um, child development, adolescent development, um, exceptional learners, out-of-school learning, so issues that focus on child development, how children learn, how they learn in different contexts. Some of those courses are also cross-listed with psychology and social behavior. Um, so, it, so who's it that? Who's some of those folks that um, you can consider? I'm not sure. Not Wendy Goldberg. She's well, maybe for, a part of it. Well, for cognition and learning in educational settings, that's a course that's cross-listed with psychology and social behavior, and that's a large course that okay. we've had for years in our minor that focuses on educational psychology, but the focus not just on traditional learning settings, it, not just classrooms, but just understanding how children develop in kindergarten through 12th grade. Okay. And then we also have another course that's cross-listed, which is Psychology of Learning Abilities and Intelligence. And it addresses questions about what is intelligence? Is intelligence something that's malleable? Or is it something that's fixed? Dealing, encouraging students to challenge some of the ideas of, is 
IQ something that's destiny? It, what does IQ mean? Is it something that can be changed? Is it really just a test of what you've learned about in the past and past experiences? And looking at, is it something that's quantifiable as a single thing? Or are there multiple intelligences and multiple things that, multiple skills that play together? So that would be the learning and human development. We so, also have... So would b b plasticity of, of brain tissue be uh, something that uh, you're incorporating in various phases of, of the curriculum, of the pedagogy, along the uh, child's and the student's maturation? Is that part of that? Uh, it addresses issues that deal with maturation and plasticity, but also deals with how um, learning new things fosters new connections and builds new networks. Wow. So. So there's a growing interest. We've got, um, well, one of my new colleagues, well, new to me, I just came back from leave, but she was on, you can on name faculty, names. Uh, yes. uh, Susan Yagi. Okay. Um, she's been doing work looking at the plasticity of working memory and working with neuropsychologists and does amazing work. So... I'm really lucky with my colleagues. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I also have other colleagues who look at issues like motivation. How do we promote student motivation? What do we mean by, by motivation? So we've got... That could be like 85% of the whole education game. Understanding or, it. Or more. I think it's kind of like, is it the musician or the instrument that's playing? If the cognitive skills aren't there. You can be really motivated. I'll give you $100 if you drop your fever by five degrees. And whether you're able to do that or not is independent of how motivated you are. But then there are other things that motivation is really important and how you deal with failure and how you deal with success and what the next step is. And that, that the things that I have been reading is that, that there are in the, the culture, I think, de jour is that failure isn't allowed. And without allowing for failure, there's one tool missing in the kit. Mm -hmm. And so um, coping, under, uh, uh, dissecting the lessons learned from a failure and all that, uh, maybe you could talk, pedagogically, we're, we're talking about the, the drawbacks of not letting a child fail you until, until they're, they're failing, where there's no safety net and they're crashing. Well, it depends on where the failure happens. So if it's in learning a lesson, then mistakes, errors, confusion actually can enhance learning, where children have to actually cognitively work harder and really get a deep understanding. But traditionally, teachers and professors in education, people are more comfortable when it seems like everyone's nodding their heads and they seem to understand what's going on. But the evidence is showing that a little bit of confusion, a little bit of failure, a little bit of setback can actually help boost learning if it's addressed properly and used as a springboard. So where did I go wrong? And cross-culturally, um, Rosella Santagata just came back from sabbatical in Italy and compares differences between Italian classrooms and American classrooms and Italian teachers really focus on the mistakes kids are making and draw attention to the mistakes and use that as a learning opportunity. And the children aren't devastated or destroyed by it. They learn from it, but that's part of the culture in schools. If a teacher in America were to suddenly do that, we'd probably have 
all the parents calling in saying, how could you be so mean to my child? Well, the, the what I'm sure were she here in this interview, we I would ask her if you have a homogeneous society, you have the luxury of working on that in a more simple, approachable way. When we've got a multicultural society in our public education system, we don't get to do that. Everybody's going to have a whole different frame of reference for what failure is, and so um, mm-hmm. we we don't get to do it the way the Italians did. So that or, and name name any other homogeneous society that has. Um, in their education system. So I I can't wait till we get her on here. I know, she's awesome. We almost had her You'll on love here her. <laughs> when we were talking about some of their cross-cultural things, but uh, she's she's uh, getting geared up with the, that debate that's been looming here um, with the, the cross-cultural kinds of comparisons. So, Roselle, we're, we're waiting for you to come on another time. So You'll love her. She's amazing. Okay, good. Well, I've got great colleagues. So uh, that's the thing. That can really promote and invigorate incoming students with this kind of really collegial atmosphere. I mean, you've, you've got it in spades. I'm so, that's, that's great to hear that. <laughs> Our Dean Deborah has done a lot to unite us. She came and she really brought us from a unit that had Michael Clark, the, who was basically our acting dean, to becoming a school. That's unbelievable. Great. It's great to have you on to talk about that. Well, so you're telling us a little bit about what they can do. What does the education sciences, so it prepares the student to pick up, so it starts them, with their, they're going to be theorists, they're going to be academicians, they may be policy analysts. So tell mm-hmm. us how it's preparing this, the student in this undergraduate. They can also become evaluators. We have a specialization in educational evaluation in which it focuses very heavily on the messiness of research in real schools and real districts. There's, I was originally trained in psychology, and it was beautiful how clean studies could be in the lab. You just Mm -hmm. had that kind of control. And then when you do research in the schools, kind of like with medical research, there are so many other factors that kick in that you can't have quite the same kind of clean perfect type of study. Lots of independent variables. Lots of them. Um, Because you're studying a system, not an individual thing. And so one of the specializations in looking at educational policy and evaluation focuses on ways of evaluating programs, what are ways and what are tools, and really powerful types of things. So they can get into policy evaluation. They can work as teachers in a number of different settings um, if they wanted early childhood, the coursework that they take, as well as required field experience would enable them to get their permit as master teachers in the state of California. Um, they Education is obvious, but they can also have the skills to understand children. So if they wanted to work in pediatrics, if they wanted to work in any situation that involves 